So, what the fuck are we doing back? I don't know. Somebody obviously didn't get us kicked off enough uh, I, um, podcast platforms anyway. No, season two. Can't believe it. I have no idea how, but we're back. Matt, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Welcome, Darren. I understand that you're... Uh, should, we, should we talk a little bit about ourselves? Oh, we should do, really. Just first, get things started. So, I understand you're a globally experienced businessman. Well, that's what my CV says. So, I obviously have to stick to that script, otherwise I might lose my job for lying. Mm. But yes, I am indeed. And um, occasionally, do comedy writing, stand-up comedy, and this podcast. I understand that you're a bit of a rabble-rouser. Uh, one could say that I am involved in some stuff that involves rousing rebels. Yes, I'm a globally experienced, I really am a globally experienced trade union organiser. And I also do uh, stand-up comedy, some comedy writing, uh, I make electronic music, uh, experimental music, um, and I write short stories as well. Wow, you are a talented guy. No wonder we're back. I have, yes, lots of hobbies. I've got fingers in lots of pies. I'm back on the back of your talent. That's the whole thing, right? That's right, yeah, I am carrying this podcast. I'll tell you what, it's been a mad, it's been a mad, um, it's been a mad year or so, and it's, it's been a mad week. It's been a mad year, well, it's only 35 days old. I know, uh, I think it's been, a, it's been a very hectic month, a very big month for both of us, I know that, for sure, and... I think that um, that will probably be reflected in how messy this episode is. But dear listener, what I would say, don't be put off by how messy this episode is. We've got some really good plans for what season two of the Podcrastinators is going to look like, um, what kind of guests we're going to have. We're really hoping to um, get someone on next time who has touched a lot of people in Auckland. But what physically or just like <laughs> physically, mentally, or I might edit that bit out actually. No, you should leave that in because then we'll wait to see which guest we get, and they'll be like, Who have I been touching in Auckland? Um, especially if it's someone from Nelson or something like that. So, um, yeah, no, so we've got some really cool guests lined up, some really good things to talk about. But we just were very keen to get an episode out there to remind you guys that we are still going. Um, to get you excited uh, we know that quite a lot of our listeners are themselves involved in comedy and politics in New Zealand so if we haven't approached you otherwise and you want to come on don't be shy flick us a message on Facebook or send us an email or something like that grab one of us at a comedy gig and you can probably come on unless we think you're shit in which case we'll just say yeah cool it'll be great and then you'll never hear back from us <laughs> These people, whoever they're going to be in the future, they're going to feel so great about themselves. But what Six I should say... Six months afterwards, they've heard nothing. They're going to be like... Having great. said that, we, uh, we, we do both suffer from uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which means we do sometimes have memory problems. So we might actually just genuinely forget to get back to you. In that's which case, apologies, and it, it doesn't mean... You know, don't read too much into it. That's a beautiful asterisk get-out clause. It nice is. work. It is, yes. I can see you're well experienced in get out clauses. Yes, I'm very, very good at that. Uh, I work with a lot of politicians, so I've kind of picked up from them how to get away with saying stuff. Murder. And how to, yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, no, I learned about how to get away from murder with my um, uncle who used to lay patios for a living. Ah, oh, mm. that's kind of definitely murder sort of area. Uncle Fred, yeah. <laughs> 
Did he have a wife called Rose? <laughs> Let's not be that New Zealand TV. Have. Let's not be that New Zealand TV station in December. Did you see that program? <laughs> so this is Darren. Do you want to explain for our listeners that that was quality? It was quality. I mean, it, it was dark and all of that. But <clears throat> somebody wrote in to a TV station, probably TVNZ One because they're that dumb. They they put a they sent a photo in and said, "Could you wish these guys a happy wedding anniversary?" And they did. And it was two of the UK's most notorious serial killers, Fred and Rose West. So, um, for my dark sense of humour, I thought that was fantastic. But some people might be offended and stuff like that. So, well, I've just had an idea, actually, how mm. we can get away with this episode being so bad. We call it a pilot. Yes. And then nobody, everyone just goes, oh, it's just those guys messing around in a room somewhere. Yes, that's right. It's a pilot episode. Um, yeah. And it's unusual for us to be recording in the same room as well. We very rarely did that in season one. Yes. Thanks to some... Thanks to the raw sexual tension, apparently. Yeah, that, that was we, weird. We um, couldn't be seen in the same room together. That was weird. Where, what Matt's referring to there is, and we'll come on to it in a minute, we were both at a comedy function last night, so to speak, and lots of people were randomly talking about the sexual tension between me and Matt, which... I no, personally no. hadn't felt before, but... Let's not exaggerate here. One person. No, it wasn't. It wasn't one person. It was scary. Which one person did you think it was? It was uh, Mr. John Donnan of... But then there was that random guy who I didn't know, and he also went, yeah, I can feel it as well. And I'm like, who the hell are you? I don't even know you. <laughs> and it's like, I just started yeah, talking well, about... That's, that's an up-and-coming new comic. Is it really? Yes. I don't know who he is, right? I, I haven't met him, and that's probably... I don't think I've... he's performed yet. It's difficult so to when call I yourself a comic when you haven't performed. <laughs> yeah, well, that was me. That was me. Maybe a potential, potential yeah. comic. Yeah. But I was concerned that people thought that. And what was even more concerning is that you actually came in and went, your wife should be concerned. <laughs> well, it was I haven't e told her yet, by the way. It was either that or... Uh, it, was e it was either that or... Um, or, or make a point about how hilarious it is the idea of two men having sexual tension between them as if that was something that doesn't happen all the time in 2021 but I thought no instead of being woke I will go along with the joke <laughs> am I the woke one then I can't be the woke one I think we're both pretty woke actually most of the time yeah. as, as far as two white British guys doing a podcast in New Zealand in 2021 can be I went to a Marae today does that make me woke no no. It doesn't make you woke. It makes me cultured. Makes you culturally appropriate? That's a, that's, that's a word that's never been used very often to describe <laughs> me. <laughs> I was at a Marai today and I felt disgracefully uncultured because I was useless at following the moves. And we so, were encouraged to follow the moves. I was useless at it. So, Darren, how do we feel about Matariki being made a public holiday? Well, I'm always in favour. I mean... The the national voter in me goes, oh great, more cost for small businesses. But the actual me being me goes, I'm all for another day off. I don't Absolutely. really understand too much about Matariki. I understand really the concept of it and everything. But I, I thought it was going to be at the expense of the Queen's birthday, but I have not seen anywhere that the Queen's birthday is cancelled. So, and over last week, this week being Auckland anniversary and next week being... Waitangi, I'm actually really loving four-day weeks, so I'm all for them. How about you? Absolutely, I agree. And I'm just looking through my emails for 
wow, this makes us sound like res well researched when you go, I'm just going to my laptop to look through some emails. It's quite clearly uh, an extra, um, <laughs> it's going to be an extra public holiday. And Beautiful. Who could, who could say no to that? Well, I understand why small businesses might be slightly concerned, but the fact is, all the evidence shows you give people another day off and they actually spend their money back in the economy. It means people go out and they do local stuff generally, and especially during you know COVID and stuff like that, where limited tra international travel options are limited, people are going to be spending that money in the New Zealand tourist industry, which is you know absolutely needs more money put into it at the moment. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a win for working people and a win for me personally, a win for Darren personally, and a win for all of those small businesses in town, in holiday towns and destinations, and even you know even in um, big cities and stuff like Auckland may not be a holiday destination for many people but you know long weekends people are more likely to go out more likely to go out for dinner go to an event um, so yeah it just seems like a win-win totally on the economic front and the sort of mental health and well-being front and then also I think it's a win on the cultural front as well and I think it's really cool that we're um, going to be having more opportunities to celebrate the uh, local new year. I, uh, what I like is the people who massively hate this sort of stuff and protest about it, but they still take the day off. I've never seen anyone ever go to work out of protest and yeah, go, yeah, I hate no. this extra public holiday, it's the worst thing in the world. I am going to go and sit at my desk all day out of protest, said no one ever. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, I, you know, I can understand why some small businesses might be concerned, but you know, it'll all even out in the long run. I mean, an extra day off. It's an extra day off. It's not. It's not a huge cost. So that's a that's a bit of a win for your Labour Party, as is the unemployment figures this week. They were a bit of a win for you as well. Yes, yes. And given you know we've gone through the mass biggest uh, contraction in our economy, or should have gone through the biggest contraction in our economy in years, thanks to COVID, and thanks to the fact that is it off the top of my head, I can't remember because uh, Christmas has been in the way of me last looking at the figures, but. Is tourism, leisure, and tourism, and travel, and stuff like that is responsible for something like thirty percent of our economy. It is indeed. And yeah, um, unemployment's good. Wage growth has been above and beyond what was expected. Uh, it's tucking on three percent, which is fantastic for everyone. I'd like to see that. Um, <laughs> well, you know, some people, you know, I'm, that's sorry. Wage gr wage growth for people who are in unions is yeah. around three percent. People who aren't in unions, obviously, is. is between zero and uh, 1.8%. So, um, you know, bad bad news for people who aren't in unions, but good news for unionised workers. So that's cool. Um, yeah, and the economy's looking good, and, you know, the country's feeling good at the moment, and obviously we've got the vaccines uh, coming closer and closer, and I was a bit worried there that we were going to be a bit lackadaisical about rolling them out because of the borders being closed, but no, it looks like, you know, they're adopting plans... Do you think they've been slack and they've kind of had to up their game because people are pretty disappointed in, you know, we're going to be front of the queue and we are obviously not, and then using the excuse, all of us need it more than us, that that was too lame for me. So I was I glad they pulled their finger out. You, the whole other people need it more than us, that's just lame in my view, but I'm glad they they are pulling their finger out. I'm still concerned when the public are going to see it. I have a vested interest in when the vaccine's going to turn up because I'm an annual flu jabber uh, for medical reasons. Jabber the hut. Flu jabber the hut. 
That'll be a that could be a short story for one of your sci-fi things. Some bizarre character called Flu Jab of the Hut. Yes, uh, George Lucas or Disney might have a thing or two to say about. They won't find out. They're they're locked. We're locked down. Who's going to tell them? <laughs> Amazon. Now oh, he's retiring. So who cares? That's Amazon. True. They're going. They they're changing of the guards. So Jeff Bezos doesn't care anymore. He's taking time off to spend his eight hundred trillion dollars that he owns. That's true, and that is a, that is amazing. How and how it's amazing how much richer he's got during the pandemic. I mean, obviously people have been reading a lot more because there's not much else to do and streaming TV and stuff. But and just ordering stuff online because they can't go to shops. But it's just amazing to think he's a real winner of COVID from COVID. So uh, was Graham Hart in New Zealand. Apparently, he he made millions mm. more mm. and he, work, he owns like building product companies and stuff like that so he owns all sorts of graham hearts yes, yes he does I, I, if i'm not mistaken he's a new zealand first donator isn't he i, I think he, he was caught up in that winston peters yeah two donations or something like that so i can't recall now i do um i, th I think he may have donated to new zealand first and national in the past but uh, I did learn a lot about him because not long after I arrived in his end, I was responsible for making a meme about him, um, which if I could, I would dig up. That would be cool. You need to add that to the thing if you find it. I'll stick that in the show notes if I can find it, yeah, absolutely. Well, so, uh, yeah, what were we talking about? God, you see, I told you. Um, ADHD strikes again. <laughs> yes, and, and a busy week. Uh, and in fact, I've actually got a work meeting. We're recording this at 6.30pm 6, 6 now, and uh, I've got a work meeting at 7.30pm, which is a bit disappointing, but I'm on leave tomorrow, um, which is great, because it's oh. Friday and it's Waitangi weekend. Oh, well done. I so. will, while you're having your work meeting, will be sitting on the motorway all the way, probably nah. for the longer time. Traffic would have cleared by then. No, oh, they've got speed vans going south, so the whole thing's like at uh, like two kilometres an yeah. hour at the moment. So, what? How was your Christmas anyway? What did you do exciting? Well, I um, went to the Coromandel for a couple of days over Christmas itself, and then did a nine-day roadie, roadie as they call them, around the South Island. And how did you enjoy that? Um, it was good. Almost everywhere I went, I'd been before, but I was taking a. A, f a companion who is a Kiwi who had never been to the South Island before, so or had never been to any of those most of those places we went to. She had been to Christchurch, but that was it. We went to Wanaka, Hawia. Um, it was a bit weird in in Wanaka and Hawia because it felt like I was about a day behind Auckland comedy legend Jamie Patterson. How was he? Were um, you following him around? Because every time I looked on Facebook, he he was in the town that I was going to the next day doing a gig. So, um, sorry Jamie, I know you're a regular listener, honest, of, of this show. I don't um, think he is. <laughs> I don't think he is either. Uh, so we say what we like about him, no, but um, it's, uh, yeah, no, it was a bit weird, because I would have gone to one of his gigs when I was down there if I'd been in well, the why not? same town at the same time, but uh, unfortunately that didn't happen, but no, it was great. Um, good, good break. How about you? Well, I moved house just before Christmas, so of course I had the wonderful luxury of... Um, painting decks and fences and all of that joyous stuff and seven days into my holiday when I actually haven't even stopped and then out of protest refused to paint anything else again for the rest of the holiday but uh, I like you took a little trip over to Waiheke and something but a lot of places in New Zealand were just massively booked up I tried mm. to find a hotel in New Plymouth couldn't find one I tried to find one in the Coromandel couldn't find one so in the end, I just gave up and went into the city and went temping bowling. <laughs> Didn't do any axe throwing? 
No axe throwing, although I'm planning to do some axe throwing in March. I am as well because um, I do keep being reminded by one of our listeners, somebody I do know listens to this podcast sometimes and has been a contributor on several occasions, Ian Ireland, um, keeps reminding me to sign up for the league and I am going to sign up for the league. You sign up for the league? Yeah. Well, hang on, you get, that's a bit serious, isn't it? Yeah, well, no. Oh, hang it's, on. It's axe throwing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you tell that to the axe throwing community. Yeah, no, I, don't, I might edit that bit out, actually, because that will offend Nah, leave it in. That'll be fine. <laughs> axe throwing, it's, uh, it's my turned over a new leaf. I'm going to throw more axes this year. Wow. You So if when we do another type of axe throwing type thing, you're going to wipe me next time, then? I'm going to split more wood this year. Really? Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) Make of that what you will. Wow, season two, you are really coming out about yourself in this season two. (laughs) This is fantastic. You are a new guy. New year, new you. Yeah, that is you. I am, actually. You are. I am very impressed by you. The changes haven't stopped. I've moved house as well. Oh, excellent. And how did your move go? Yeah, all right. (laughs) Every house move is shit. Nothing interesting (laughs) to say about that. Politics has been mad while we've been away. Before we come on to that... Oh, okay. You have made a note, being Paul? Yes. Would you like to explain what you mean by being Paul? I'll only explain it from an outer because it could actually become a comedy sketch at some point don't explain it let's just leave it at that and leave people dangling and waiting oh for yeah so i'll then go and to. perform it and then they'll come and see you you come and see darren knees uh when he's on uh, I, might, I might do the same night as you actually so. if anyone books him <laughs> the whole comedy community hates me so no one's going to book me yes that's right <laughs> they do. i'll have to call on gary dooley he might be the only person who feels sorry for me oh, i think ian might put you on oh well. true yeah, yeah. But that's probably about it. Nah, no probably one else is going to do that. Of everyone else. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, politics, though. Wow, what's happened? It's been a lot. Big changes, especially globally. Yeah, Joe Biden, finally, finally yes. got in office. Thank Sleepy God. Joe. I mean, obviously, I, in my political sort of preferences, I should be a Republican. But... No. The, the horrific. <laughs> horrific. Uh, last four years... So even I'm happy to see Biden. But that's an interesting view, isn't it? Because quite a lot of people say, actually, if you look at the American political system, the Democrats are a kind of big tent party that, from a New Zealand point of view, stretch all the way from the left of the Labour Party to the kind of centre of the National National Party. Party. And then you've got the Republicans are the real wing nuts. And yeah, there's some like act type groupings within them, but mostly they're closer to the new Conservatives or... You know, even further right, to be honest, than any other party in the New Zealand political well, they spectrum. They kept getting righter and righter, especially the storming of the capital. Well, that's not even right wing, is it? That's just lunatic. That's just insanity, kind of, isn't um, it? You know, that's almost borders on fascism, actually. And uh, I've been listening to a very interesting podcast called Behind the Bastards, um, which generally, uh, which I strongly recommend, generally focuses on uh, famous people of history who were bastards and sort of talks you through, features a, a quite a funny journalist, Robert Evans, uh, and a friend who's often a comp comedian or an actor or, or someone like that coming on, or another journalist coming on, and they talk about a famous character from history. And he's been doing a series, a mini-series within the podcast recently where he looks at the rise of Mussolini, of Hitler, and of Franco in Spain, and he basically draws the parallels between the movements that brought them to power and the movement that Trump was trying to put together, and he basically makes the point that although Trump was unsuccessful because he's a fucking idiot, um, so 
absolute like, like a, just an overprivileged kind of rich guy who doesn't really know what he's doing uh, he doesn't mean that what he did was not an attempt at a fascist coup basically 100% you can um, see the way he was positioning himself and his propaganda messaging yeah was almost Goebbels-esque yeah you know and almost you know if he could he'd have taken control of every broadcasting I mean, he pretty much had Fox News. That was pretty much Trump mm. news. Um, it was absolutely unbelievable what was going on. And the fact that there were still 70 million people that believed in him was actually really scary. Yeah, and 64% of Republicans, and I think maybe growing, believed the election was stolen from him, which is just... Insanity. Crazy. But also, there's some interesting things about Australia. Uh, sorry, Australia. There's some interesting things about Australia as well, but um, not quite as bad as the States. Um, the interesting thing about the states, or one of the interesting things, is I was I was talking to a, an American friend who made the point that in the U.S. one of the issues is the fact that actually outside of the big towns and cities, you have real news deserts. You have places where <clears throat> not only is there no longer a local newspaper published, or not reliably, but if there is one, it's controlled by one person, it's owned by one person or one family or small business, and it's basically they can Thank just you. at the mercy of whatever their view is. And then the other thing is they have very limited internet access. Yes, they do have 24-hour TV generally, but actually internet's not very good in rural America. And so you get on the states, you get on the, you get on the internet when you're at your auntie's house or you're at a particular location, you all jump in and that's where everyone's sharing YouTube videos and just sharing nonsense and, and conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And then one person might have access to the internet and then they go and talk about it to other people as well. It's completely bizarre kind of society really um, in rural America where that you really have what they call an echo chamber you know people talk sometimes about Twitter and Facebook it's an echo chamber because most of your friends tend to be people who share your views one of the good things about comedy actually is you get to add friends who don't always share your views and you get do get to see other points of view but all these people in rural America stuck in these kind of echo chambers where once a couple of very noisy people with good internet connections decide they believe in these conspiracy theories that's all everyone else has any access to. So it's just really easy to completely, and you know, it's not because they're thick, it's because their access to the media is is really limited. And what's yeah. quite worrying. What's really interesting, I've spent a fair bit of time in America for various reasons, and just nothing exists outside of America either. I mean, yeah. the classic case of that was George Bush II. Actually, had never had a passport until he became president. Yes. Yet his dad was president, so... You know, that shows how insular it is. And I was there and, I, and that someone heard my accent and I, they said, where are you from? And I said, England. And they said, oh, isn't that the capital of London? I mean, they're, they're globally, yeah. they're a good percentage. And, you know, I, I actually quite like a lot of Americans, but their knowledge on what goes on outside America as well is obviously very distorted by the media that present, presents it. Oh, I think there's a lot wrong with American society, but I don't think there's much. I think Americans themselves are fine. Um, I think it's American society, and I think their infrastructure and things like that are just unbelievable, unbelievably bad. I think there's 70 million out. of them need a bit of educating on what's decent etiquette and behaviour and stuff like that. But apart from that, mm, yeah, um, that's yeah. It's uh, it's a crazy thing, crazy times, and I, I wish we'd been recording while the while the who was going on on the one hand but then on the other hand I've listened to like a million podcasts talking about it as it happened 
So, you know, probably for the best, really, that we weren't just treading over the same ground as everyone else. We're better than that. And yes. um, <laughs> our, our home That's country, right. of course, the UK, that has, that has oh been having goodness. a horror story. I oh mean, thank God it's getting more under control now. But uh, And I can actually say that I know somebody that's had the vaccine and they're still alive. Well, this is the interesting thing, though. So I actually, I must admit, I was like, well, at least they are rolling the vaccine out quickly. And, you know, fair play to them for that. You know, I've got my, my massive criticisms of the UK government and the handling of COVID. But at least they're getting the vaccine out quickly. But then people were saying, well, no, because all they're doing is doing the first dose of a two-dose vaccine. They're not actually, there's no dates lined up for people to get a second dose. Um, so actually, it's, it's bullshit. There's no, they're no quicker than anyone else. Well, they have rolled out the first vaccine to 11% of the population. Mm. So they're 11% ahead of us. But 11% of 70 million is, whilst it sounds like a big number, is actually quite, especially when you've got to go around twice. Well, exactly. Uh, so my brother, because he's a care worker in the UK, is yeah. cast as essential. And he's had the first vaccine and was told that his second vaccine was going to get extended from two weeks to four weeks. He's now got no idea when the second vaccine's coming. Yeah. He's literally no idea. But And that's interesting as well, because Biden has said 100 million vaccines in 100 days. That's enormous. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it, it just to go back to America, it does show the difference that you get a vaguely competent set of administrators in. And I mean, I've got my criticisms of Biden probably more than you have. But, um, you know, you get a, just a normal government even in and they can just do things that the other, the outgoing administration had no interest in doing. But even if they had, would have been incapable. Because wouldn't you, be able to get a heads around it. Do you think I can deliver 100 million in 100 days? That's it, a huge number. It sounds like they're already doing an amazing job. I mean, it does. that sounds ridiculously unachievable, especially in a country like America who can't even get chip and pin credit cards out to you know, the population over a 30-year period. I'd give them a chance. I sounds could, like some states are using some pretty mad ways of getting it out to people, though. Yes. Uh, apparently one state, maybe Florida, because it's always Florida, um, did a deal with like Eventbrite, the online ticket office, ticket office yeah. to, to do arrange vaccine visits, which is just crazy. Like a Google form, Google Forms would have been a better way of doing it. You know, which is what the UK government would have probably used. Ambition to set themselves, and good luck to them. I hope they achieve it. You know, I like a good stat. So while I was here, like you, going get to your emails to find something, I've been doing some calculating. If they did a hundred days, twenty-four hours a day. They have to administer 42,000 vaccinations every hour of every day for 100 days. That's an enormous number. And obviously, if they only do it for 12 hours, they've got to administer 85,000. But in New Zealand, we built 10,000 new homes in three years, so... <laughs> you, you developed plans for 10,000 homes in three years. I think you actually built about 28 or something like that. No, so. it's 3,000, 3,500, actually. <laughs> And how many um, of those were bought by the people that needed them? Well, yeah. Anyway, moving oh, I'm on. I'm not going to defend that record, and it was me that brought it up, so that's fine. I'm <laughs> well happy done. To, I'm happy to do that. Moving on, though, yeah, politics in New Zealand, I guess, we come back to. I mean, it's been pretty quiet because the country does shut down for most of January, which is a good thing. I mean, I haven't heard much from the National Party at all. No, they've been busy playing cricket this week down in down in Wellington at their caucus meeting. Oh, that's and, nice. Uh, yeah, that's right. And there's actually, if you go and look at it, there's actually quite a humorous photo of Luxon who went arse over tit. Oh, so awesome. everybody's going, you know what? The day that he becomes leader, that 
it's like Stephen Joyce and the Dildo. <laughs> and um, there's some great sketches on that, mainly by Greg Baker and Joel Vincent, both do Stephen Joyce Dildo sketches, very different, but both funny. But like that's what Stephen Joyce is known as now, and this looks and footage of him literally arse over Ted on a cricket pitch. You know, when you're going to become a leader, <laughs> that's really not the footage you want, right? No. So, um, but anyway, it happened. So they've got their caucus meeting going on, and um, obviously Collins is just trying to hold it together, but I think she's just trying to hold it together for stability, and um, I, I think it's only inevitable in a matter of time before you see a leadership change there. It sounds like there's going to be two very distinct wings of the party looking for, for leadership and uh, it'll be interesting to see, might be a bit soon for you to say what you'd like to see, but it, it'll be interesting to see which, which side comes up top or whether they do a deal, which gives one side the chance first and if yeah. they fail, the other side um, comes up, which in New Zealand history would be the most sensible option to do, would be to do a deal to keep the peace. Um, essentially try and come up with a balanced kind of leadership team well, we saw what happened at the election with a, that six months leading in of a, just a completely dysfunctional party yeah and Labour's, the, the, Labour's they, done that before and suffered as well so, yeah, you, yeah you saw that the voters just walked away in droves even core hardcore national voters walked away so so does uh, that mean they have to they're better off having the fight now actually getting out of the way and then let the dust settle so that in two and a half years time they're ready they certainly need to do it in the next six months. I, I think if Collins is still in charge in a year's time, they've got problems because that's getting too close to the next election. Of course, unless you change the rules for that as well and make it four years. Yeah, well, there's no there's no plan to do that. Or under six, or 16 voters. Interestingly, that was a motion at um, the last Labour Party conference was to ter change the terms to uh, four, four years, but it, fa it, was, um, it failed. Um, and there was no appetite for that at all. The problem is, when you've only got one chamber of parliament, it's not in any party's interests to have, um, <clears throat> you know, four-year terms where you're locked in with having a government you don't like and you can't reverse any of their decisions. At least if you had, like, an upper house, like so many other countries, you, then you've got the opportunity to delay legislation and kind of amend it and things like that. But three years might probably benefits everyone. The one thing that has dominated, obviously, New Zealand politics in the last month is the re-arrival of community cases. The question I've got is, does anyone actually care anymore? Yeah, uh, it so almost feels like no one cares when it's one or two, and and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean like people are almost like, so what? So I think I think you're wrong that no one cares in some ways because I think that um, I know and I, I don't think you are coming from a negative view, but <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, actually, I admit over Christmas I got really bad with uh, checking in. When I was down in the South Island, I probably didn't check in anywhere. Although I do always have my Bluetooth on, so I probably am doing the minimum that I need to. But that's not good enough. You should scan and everywhere you go. As soon as those cases came out, not just me, because I go into the supermarket, I noticed the real change in people starting to check in again everywhere. Um, so I think they do care, and I think also what they recognise and what is recognised is that because we've essentially eliminated it, because even one or two cases you've still basically eliminated it from the point of view of the epidemiologists, uh, I think that because of the system we've got, that there are enough people complying with Bluetooth and Track and Trace, and because we wiped it out and, and we're monitoring it so quickly, and those two people that had got it 
were so good at complying with track and trace. Fair play to them, and I, you know, I think it's shameful that anyone had a go at them or was critical of them. It's not their fault. I think that it shows the system's working, and yeah, they contracted it and managed isolation. And I know there's been big investigations into why that might be. And I think that there's going to be multiple issues probably identified. But the fact is the investigation can be had, they will be identified, and hopefully they'll be dealt with. And I think that's what's happened all along. So essentially, and I don't, I'm not trying to make a party political point here either, because I'd be saying the same whoever was in power, as long as similar things have been followed. You know, I think we're just on top of it and we're managing it and we're in control. And I think enough people care that we can continue to administer it and we're not going to need to go into lockdown. It was interesting, a couple of things. The Pullman, I think, now is not being used as an isolation hotel for the immediate future while they do the investigation. But it's truth, right? Because that's public knowledge. That That is my understanding from what I've seen. Secondly, when Bloomfield went on the news, and I was heavily criticised for this on Facebook, but it's a fact, he said that everybody in managed isolation gets a phone call within three to five days of leaving to see how they are. My daughter was in managed isolation for two weeks and never got contacted by anybody. Yeah, and did... Um, did and people turned on me and went, well, that just meets your agenda, doesn't it? I don't care. No, it doesn't, because it was fact that she didn't get no, a phone call from No, I think you were trying to anyway. break the government. No, I don't really. I believe you. Um, and, but um, I, be- I believe, Darren, I just want you to know that you've been heard, and I believe you. Oh, well, you're not going to give me some um, unsolicited feedback? I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice. <laughs> She said that should be reported, that fact should be reported back to the authorities, to the Ministry of Health. Yeah. So they know there was obviously an error there. That someone slipped. And look, yeah, luckily, your daughter probably write a phone number wrong, down wrong. It would be her if fault. If she takes after you, it's <laughs> victim blame. Here. I might be ADHD, but I'm not dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Although nah, I seri- seriously though, um, you know, it should be reported and, you know, I would hope they would investigate why that was, because that's a failure. Yeah. Right. That is a failure. My understanding is that's been happening. Um, you know, that has been happening, but it's a huge bureaucracy. Tens of thousands of people come through quarantine. There's bound to be some mistakes. There's bound to be some people getting out into the community with COVID. The point is that our country has managed to deal with it and manage it. And those women that came through, they did everything they should have done. And that's fantastic. Good for them. And that's meant it's been minimised. Well, interesting news today. I don't know if you've seen the news today that the UK variant has apparently mutated again. And now they're not so convinced that this can actually be controlled by the vaccination. I don't know whether that's more press scaremongering, because the press are really good at scaremongering. Mm-hmm. And anyone who listened to season one knows mine and your opinion of the yes. press. Yes. Um, and it's not a good one, but that would be pretty scary. And then you have to ask the question, do you actually have to physically close the borders full stop? Because how long before, what, how long can we continue to live like this? Well, that is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because, um, you know, there's a point of they can't refuse access to any citizens or permanent residents under the law, mm. but you can refuse permission to any plane to land yes. or boats to dock. So. You've already done that once already, haven't you? Didn't Labour stop a boat from docking a few months ago, a few weeks ago, a cruise ship? Because you won't give them, you, yeah, claim, you claim that they didn't get their work visas quick enough, so then you've just stopped it from docking, even though hundreds of people had seat, uh, 
place is booked on it and oh, I didn't hear sent that it one, away. That one sneaked past me, that story. Um, well, unlike, a, bad, a bad news story to sneak past the Labour Party. This is unlike, um, it obviously didn't sneak past the uh, Customs and Excise because they no. turned them away. <laughs> um, so, no, uh, I, uh, I can't comment on that because I don't know. Um, but so I think that, yeah, I think it's a good question. Uh, I just hope that vac- I hope that they're, they're wrong. Me too. I hope it's just works. a load of you're right. We can't continue to live like this forever. It is. There's also, only a certain I want to go back and see my family occasionally, you know, at some point. Um, totally. I mean, I, I, I know some of them listen to this. Hi. Hi, Farno. Hello, um, Matt's family. <laughs> um, mine don't listen to this, even my family in New Zealand. I don't know why. Most of mine don't listen to this. <laughs> Would you like to, me to plug you in? Well, could you plug me in, please, because I'm running out of power. That's not, not, a, that's not a double entendre, by the way. <laughs> not after the sexual um, tension comments before, no. That's, a, that's a message for Darren's wife. Subliminal. So, um, the Fringe Festival is coming up. It is indeed. Auckland Fringe Festival. Correct. Uh, I do believe that there's a, and I don't have it in front of me, I'll put it in the show notes. It should be a very interesting ensemble piece going out of uh, John Donnan and Natasha Popovich. Um, two up-and-comers within the New Zealand comedy scene. Uh, and there'll be loads of other really cool Fringe shows that people should check out as well. And we'll put a link to the Fringe site and any other shows that we know about into the into the notes of this episode. Also with John and Natasha is a, another up- upcoming comedian called Patrick Shanahan in the same show. That's Patrick's, right, I knew Patrick's pretty else. good. And also I'll give a shout-out to friends of the show, Coom and Friends. Matt Coombe and yes. Craig Westenberg have also got a Fringe show. How could I forget? I oh, know, indeed. So Hopefully um, they'll be wearing the... Their podcast nators t-shirts on a plane t-shirts and if they're not then i'm not going to promote their shows anyway yeah no they can fuck off <laughs> so yeah fringe shows coming that's going to be really good and raw mondays are back yes from the 15th of february and i understand the two dates that matter are um the 22nd of february and the 22nd of march those are the two dates to avoid. They're the two dates to attend and see uh, yours truly, that means me, um, performing uh, entirely new material, unless I forget it all while I'm on stage, which is quite possible, and have to go back to some of my old stuff. Uh, but I'm going to try and do new material. I think, um, and then of course the calendar. Which so I haven't written yet, by the way. Oh, good on you. So this is really going to be raw. This is yeah. real raw. Yes. This is like meat off the bone some of it raw. Will, no, some of it would have been written. About two minutes out of six will have been written already, but not performed. Cool. So we both went to somewhere called The Raw Deal last night, which um, Scott Blanks talked all of the upcoming f- comedians through and about. Scott, of course, is the f- famous, world-famous owner of the classic comedy club. 23 years in operation. In New Zealand, yeah, here in Auckland. Yeah. So, amazing, sorry, carry on. That's an amazing um, feat. But uh, yeah, and obviously he was talking mainly to new comedian audience about what's coming up over the next year. And we, uh, Raw Quest is coming back. Yes, Is of it course. June it's coming back? I think it was May, June, wasn't it? Or I think you say it's starting in May. May or June, and, and then it runs through to, that's right, October, the finals. So that calendar's completely flipped because that used to actually then be the finals at the New Zealand Comedy Festival, but he's changed that around, which is cool. And so there's already, you can see, I don't know about you, but I can already see a couple of emerging favourites for the Royal Quest already. Um, there's a couple of people that I would uh, go and put a quite bit of money on, definitely get into the final and even winning. So we might try and get some of those on the show, and then I'll tell them that I think that they're going to be winning. 
and then we'll see how much pressure they can handle. How about that? That's a really good idea. And I think hopefully we'll be able to get some of the um, people from the previous semi-finals and finals onto, onto the, show. the show as well. Yeah, I don't think they're too big for us yet. No. I mean, we didn't make either, but we're still here. That's right. Yeah, but as we've been reminded by other people, you know, some of the greatest names in New Zealand comedy never made it to the final Raw Finals. No, that's right. So, didn't yeah. even get through to the semi-final and then went out and created a, an audience of their own and then just went yeah. huge. So, so yeah, looking forward to that. That starts back on the 15th. So I'll, I'll probably come and watch you, actually, on the 22nd. I might go and cool. do that. Good to hear it. It's always good to see someone bomb on stage with... <laughs> New material they can't remember and good about my mind goes blank and <laughs> oh yeah and, and it's the one on the 22nd of February might be my first gig in ages because uh, my last one was the 23rd of December wow and um, yeah whether I've actually been quick enough to get my name down for anything else before the 22nd of February is uh, feels unlikely given my work schedule and my trips away my last gig was either the 10th or the 17th of August. Six months. That's a long sulk. It is a long sulk, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, that's, that's a joke, dear listeners. Um, no, you're right, it's a long sulk. It is a long sulk. So, But I, I was feeling that I was jinxing the New Zealand comedy world, is the truth, because I performed yeah. in the early part of the year raw, and then I performed in that raw, and the following Monday, both times, the country went into lockdown, both times. Well, it's interesting that both times we went into lockdown, I had literally had like three or four gigs lined up in one week, and I was very excited about it, and then lockdown happened and they all got cancelled. So it could be me that's jinxing it. It could be both of us. Maybe we should. Maybe if country goes into lockdown after the 22nd of February... It's you. Or just before the 22nd of March, it's my fault. And then I'll try and just do a gig, and even if I'm just shit, as always... If it like goes into lockdown after me, then it's me that's the problem. Yeah, that makes perfect Let's sense. Let's do that. Let's do that. Look, I'm going to go and put my name down as for a fan of, As a fan of statistics, uh, obviously causation, correlation does equal causation. And so, yeah, it's exciting. Comedy community's back up and running again after the Christmas break. There's heaps of gigs. Obviously, what was Scott saying? The Classics open on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think not Tuesday. Not Tuesdays. It's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. No yes. Sunday. You've got, what else? We Let's see how good we are at remembering all the gigs. Uh, Tabak on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yes, Revelry on Mondays. Mondays. Zach's Bar on Tuesdays and Thursdays. No, Thursdays Ding and Saturdays. Dong. That's it, Thursdays and Saturdays. Ding Dong on Tuesday. Um, Flossed and Paradise on a Thursday. Mr. Wang's every month. That's starting back up, yeah. That's back up. Garnet Station on a Sunday. Yes, at every Westmere. Sunday. And... I think, have we got them all? I feel like we've missed something. And then, oh, Ed Rivera's got a new gig starting this yes, Friday. Yes, I would be going to that, but I'll be away. In That's Washington, right, so at I the Munster. So we, this actually may go out after the gig, if we don't get it. It will probably, realistically, it'll go out. So after. good, I hope Saturday night went well, Ed. And Ed's obviously got his own podcast as well. Yes, so. there's lots of podcasts out. More people are starting podcasts. So, um, but are they, are they as good as this one? There's certainly none of them are New Zealand's number one comedy and politics podcast, which we are, obviously. 100%. Uh, it's worth just saying that there's no evidence for that, but um, I feel in my heart that we're number one. I have evidence for that. I have concrete evidence that we could claim that, because no other podcast does comedy and politics. 
No, so that's that true. Is why that's we true. are we're aware one. of. We don't care about. <laughs> that we're, there's a lot of podcasts out there. It's impossible to keep track of them all. It is the people. That, it, it's the other ones we don't care about. So This is really professional, by the way. I've just had a work email that I need to check. <laughs> Carry on talking, Dan. I'll keep going. So, yes, all those comedy gigs, get out and support live comedy. Even I, get out there. No excuse. Go and support it. There's lots of people really trying hard to uh, yeah. create an entertainment industry in comedy. So go and support them. And go and support the French Festival. There's going to be heaps of stuff. It actually starts on the 14th of February, St. Valentine's Day. Have that. Yeah, I did uh, I did notice that, actually. I'm not sure why you would start someone on the St. Valentine's Day. I mean, I've never really taken anyone out on a date to a comedy night. Have you? No, but then I don't do Valentine's Day either. So, like, I refuse to do Valentine's Day. Um, Is that because you're unromantic or because you don't like spending money or...? It just doesn't fit your MO. Oh, I'm definitely happy spending money. Um, too happy, as my bank manager would tell you. <laughs> that feels like a very old-fashioned joke, because who talks to their bank manager nowadays? No, um, what was I saying? Valentine's Day, yeah, uh, all of those things. I, I don't agree with the concept. Eagle-eared listeners will have noticed, by the way, that I've stopped listening. Cause <laughs> yeah, because you're working on your works emails. So I am going to go right, on to... Right, I'm back. You've got my undivided attention again, to be honest. Because you weren't listening. Um, especially that last bit. Yeah, I might just cut off the whole last 10 minutes and just leave it. Fuck it. Um, if anyone's still listening by that time in the episode, I'll be very pleased. Uh, and every extra listener is a bonus. And all I'll say is I'll just repeat what I said at the beginning of the show. Please don't be put off by this episode. Um, the rest will be really good, I promise. They absolutely will. Awesome. Okay, cool. I am... Well, thanks for bearing with us, listeners, and see you on episode two. Yeah, thanks.